just keep being you. Welcome to the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Horlbogen. I'm on a mission to foster civility, respect, and integrity with a dash of sartorial elegance in the boardroom and beyond. And I invite you to join me on my quest. Never have to be like anybody else cause you're my favorite person when you're being yourself. A true original right from the start, straight from the heart, a great work of art, you stand apart. Um, welcome back everyone to the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. My guest today uh, is Dr. Bina Patel. She is a conflict resolution and organizational health specialist. She provides conflict management services to reduce workforce turnover, increase morale, and decrease costs in organizational systems. Dr. Patel works in emergency management. She has a consulting practice, providing leadership executive consulting to C-suite teams on establishing healthy workplace cultures. She also provides leadership and career coaching to upcoming leaders in an organization and millennials entering the workplace. Dr. Patel is an author, public speaker, and consultant. She has published several case studies related to workplace diversity, multiculturalism, and racism in the workplace, as well as female suicide terrorism. Dr. Patel's book on female suicide terrorism, Understanding the Radicalization Process, focuses on human behavior. She is due to publish her next book very soon. So welcome. Have you. So nice to be here. Thank you for your time. And this is such an honor. So. I'm just thrilled to have you. I've been uh, following you on LinkedIn for some time, you know, reading your articles. And I think uh, your work is profound, obviously, to say the least. I, I have to say I have not read your book yet. It is on my list. It's in my queue. Um, I'm sure it will be a fascinating read to understand, you know, what's behind um, that whole part of terrorism, especially from a woman's point of view. So that's that's very interesting. Um, so I thought we could maybe start out talking a little bit about the COVID-19 pandemic and what you know, how things are going. I know you mentioned you are working remotely. I think a lot, a lot of people are, right? So there's been a lot of changes. Um, what's going on for you, you know, professionally, personally with, with handling all of that? Yeah, so it's um, working in emergency management has been great. It shows us um, folks who are on the front line and, and the dedication uh, that people give. I, I will tell you, it's it's uh, really nice to see how sincere and genuine folks are when it comes down to helping people. Um, this is across the board. It's not just, I would say, in the workplace, but just with, within communities. Um, we see it on the news. You know, although I tell a lot of uh, my clients don't watch the news, it can be very devastating sometimes, but it's the reality of it. I also follow a few doctors on Twitter who actually post pictures of, the, um, of what the ICU looks like today and how different it was was at midnight. So um, Dr. Lakshman Swami, it's, it, he's one of the doctors in at Boston, uh, at the Boston Hospital, and he, he posts a lot of folks' pictures so that we can see the reality of how things are during this time. And um, I actually just tweeted, tweeted to him this morning that I consider him a transformational leader, which during these chaotic times, um, conflict is huge, um, not just, you know, personal conflict, but conflict with the media, conflict with, um, you know, people who make decisions who are at the top. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, it takes a lot of time and adjustment to understand the actual culture of what people are going through and how things are very different. Um, but sometimes people at the top don't see that. And I find that it parallels a lot into the workplace where there's a lot of work done with people at the bottom. Um, and I, I don't mean that in a literal way, but you know, folks who are not at, in, at, at the C-suite level, let's put it that way. Um, those are the wheels that move the cart, in my opinion. We are all part of the, that those wheels, right? And I'm very proud to say that because that's where the hard work comes into play. Without folks like them, we wouldn't be where we are today. Um, just as well with uh, Dr. Swami and his team at, at Boston, um, at the Boston Hospital, you know, they are make the, they are on the front lines of saving lives, risking their own lives. And we can call that suicide, we can call that whatever we want. But at the end of the day, 
it is what it is. They are transformational leaders, meaning they can adjust to change. They can empower their employees to uh, be motivated to help people, despite the fact that their resources are scarce. Time is of the essence and saving lives is, has just become a new luxury at this point. Um, mm -hmm. People are dying so quickly. So I, I find that in, in transformational leadership, and this also, again, parallels the workplace culture, is that when you have a leader who is not only thriving in change, but during chaos and conflict, they thrive in this gray. That's when you realize that leaders are born. People are born to be leaders, and those are transformational leaders. Leadership skills can be taught, they can be learned, but a lot of it is also personality driven. And in my experience, I've realized that transformational leaders are not only born to, to enjoy and thrive and succeed, but really carry a team forward and tap into the talent and intellectually stimulate their employees to do good. So everybody is a rock star, everybody is a superstar, you know, and talents are really tapped into to make things happen and there's innovation. But what I really like about transformational leaders are that they they actually um, set, a, set an arena, an environment where there's psychological safety. And that's a very old term, but it's, it's a mental safe space. And during these times, during COVID, that mental safe space has become so important because in my opinion it builds not just mental structure and mental flexibility but trust so that folks are able to open up about their personal issues and their personal concerns um the, you know, I feel like, Michelle, we have a safe space between us. Let's use this as an example, right? Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that there are days as an extrovert, or I have a preference for extroversion, that I'm actually seeking people, you know, and talking to my neighbor who is a total introvert. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, I just kind of was walking by with my niece and my sister one day and I'm waving at her and I just started asking her, like, how are you? How are things going? You know, I thought maybe if I take that initial step, but it took a while. It took over a year to build that rapport and that relationship. But, you know, and, and just to just because I'm so desperate to talk to people <laughs> and, and make, <laughs> make that face to face and that physical connection, it becomes very hard. I'm so accustomed to being on the road and meeting people and working at different locations that um, I really miss that. You know, it's nice to be at yeah. home, right? It's nice to be in our pajamas, but but it gets old. It gets old very quickly and mentally it gets uh, tiring. So to like today, it was, it's nice to connect with you. You know, it, it, it feel, I feel like I've known you for a long time, even though we're just like virtually meeting, right? Um, <laughs> But to take the time to, you know, put on some makeup and to do my hair and to get ready, it feels like I'm going to work today. So it's um, it's been an adjustment for, I think, all of us. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I think um, I'm kind of a an extroverted introvert. So I love people. I love parties, socializing. But to, like once I expend myself that way, I need that equal amount of time downtime yeah. to like replenish. So I'm doing okay. You know, and I've been home out of work anyway for months. So it's not, that shift isn't too bad. Um, but I love what you said, Bina, about transformational leaders and how, I mean, I personally can mm -hmm. say one day in the ER at Boston Hospital as a physician for me would, would do me in. Like, I don't have that. I don't have, I would be bawling, sobbing, hugging people, you know, yeah. high-fiving people through the glass. I can't, I, I don't have that coping mechanism to handle on that scale. You sure. know what I'm saying? So it really is incredible that these people are just, yeah. you know, willing to put their, their, like you said, their lives on the line to care for, for us, you know, and um, I'm, one out, I'm not even an hour outside of Boston. So we, you know, we're in the epicenter of the Biogen conference outbreak. It's all around. I mean, our numbers are just, we're coming into the surge now. And Governor Baker is just begging people, you know, stay home, social distance, cover your face because it's, and, and all I can think of is the more we uh, comply with those requests, there's still requests right now. Right. Um, yeah. we're, we're actually helping the doctors and yeah. nurses, the people on the front line, the the housekeeping people doesn't matter, right? There's rank or file. I agree. Anyone working in a hospital is a hero right now. Yeah. Anyone? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I find that um, with with I wish 
all the doctors had some time, and I, and you know, this I take this with, uh, t- please take this with a grain of salt, some time to post th- what's happening because pictures do tell us a story and they show us the reality of what is not being shown. We know COVID is bad. We don't know how bad it is until you either A, go through it, you see, you hear somebody's experience, um, and even to put yourself into that, into their shoes and sort of be empathetic and feel what they're feeling, it's very difficult to do for any any human being, right? But to actually see the the visual photos, it, it takes it takes a toll on you. I mean, just seeing body bags, um, I just heard recently that New York had to, you know, not only get refrigerated trucks, like these reefer containers to hold these dead bodies, but body bags. And, and I think to myself, like, we are we are in a country that has so much technology. We're so advanced. And how, how did this happen? But we're no different than, you know, any other nation out there. So, yeah, it, it's hard. It's heartbreaking. And I think, um, uh, you know, I, in a way, it's almost like by not posting them, maybe trying to protect people a little. But sometimes when you let mm-hmm. people keep their head in the sand, it doesn't always work out best. Sometimes like the brutal reality needs to be just told be, just shown yeah yeah you're right pictures are very visual you get that yeah it's um it's a crazy crazy time but you just you had mentioned that you you just um published an article in thrive you said right about transformational leadership too yes yes thank you for um for bringing that up i forgot um transformational leadership so i talked about the four reasons why every organization or every um basically any organization, because everything, in my opinion, is business. At the end of the day, it's run like a business, whether it's a hospital or a government entity or, or any one of us who have um, consulting practices. Um, yes, so it was four reasons why transformational leaders are needed more than ever. And the four top four reasons that I stated were that they're, they they not only idealize influence, but they actually get people to do to do what they have to do to meet the mission requirements. So they have uh, not just a charisma or a charismatic personality, but they're actually able to get people to believe in what they believe, right? Their motivation, their ability to motivate and influence is very strong. Um, Because they can do that very well, they get people on board very quickly and get them excited. Um, And again, no person is left behind, even if somebody who is uh, reluctant to change is actually able to get on board because they're able to make that that individual consideration. Um, That is a term very closely associated with transformational leaders because they actually make that time to connect with individuals one-on-one. So they're very humble and uh, they have a lot of humility. Um, So despite who it is, despite if it's a janitor or despite if it's somebody um, who's a director, it doesn't matter, rank, level, whatever the case is, that person for that moment is just as important as their spouse or their child. That's that's the level of importance they give. It's it's equal. It's fair. Um, in theory, this is great. In practice, I've seen it, and it does work. And and they do have it. Again, these leaders are born, and they don't have to be a CEO or or anybody at that rank. But it's just each of us can have it, and we don't even know it until we're forced to tap into it. Um, and times like COVID actually brings the best out of a lot of us. And in terms of bringing out these leadership qualities and characteristics. Um, the other thing that they're also very good at, so that's that's two. The other thing, the third thing I would say is that they're not only able to motivate, influence, and, and be uh, considerate at the individual level, but they're also able to um, get people uh, to, to meet the mission requirements to make sure there's quality assurance, which is obviously very important. Low turnover, meaning everybody is always, always trusted in their in their ability to be innovative and creative their ideas are um i wouldn't say accepted necessarily but you know they're thought through and they're they're given consideration again um and that that comes with the psychological uh safety that's created so people are folks are encouraged to be innovative but there's also no idea as a bad idea that is a very strong belief so that anybody whether you're old you're young you know if you haven't paid your dues whatever the mentality is in that group everybody's equal and everybody's ideas are shared so they may not be applicable at this very moment. And there's a way to say it to influence folks to say, I love that idea. Let's put it in the parking lot because I think it might go better with another project. But let's for this, I like what you said here, and then pick up bits and pieces from everybody to make it into a whole so that everybody feels as though they're contributing to the mission requirements. And not just that, but one other thing is they're able to meet the vision, the long-term goals of the company. Um, because in the short term, they're able to motivate their employees so well that they're that the 
you get the best out of people in terms of um, you know quality assurance. You have high productivity, high morale. Folks are rewarded as they go. Even a little bit of like a, you know eight hours off or um, here take fifty nine minutes today. It's, it's or, or you know if you can't give a monetary award, they find a way to give an award. Mm-hmm. Or it could be simply just giving a shout out, which makes anybody feel good. I mean, I would take that right over like a monetary bonus just because half that money is going to go into taxes. But. You know, <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but they're considerate of also how they give give the awards out. Some people don't like that attention. So they they will actually take the time to understand their people and say, hey, do you like to be, if I do give an award out? And this is always done at the onset, at the, at the, during uh, mid performance check-ins, anytime, uh, because I'm going to give you an award. So how do you want it? And, you know, some people shy away from, they don't want to be recognized um, in front of anybody. I'm one of those people, actually, I can relate to that. I've told my bosses, if you give me a reward, do not mention it to anybody. I don't like that attention. And I also don't want somebody to feel badly either. Um, so there, so all in all, like at this time, and they keep costs low. And what I mean by that is when they optimize on people's skills, they opt they give individual consideration. Um, folks are able to meet the mission requirements. They're less likely to call out sick and take time off. So even if they are sick, they're going to come in and they're going to do well because they are loyal now to this person, but also to this leader, but also they care about the mission, which is really hard to put, quantify that. Um, very hard to find ethical, um, hardworking individuals to the level that we should have, right? Um, and, and, and then they find ways to motivate them and keep them so that the turnover remains low. Yeah, I'm just. I, I don't want you to think I'm being rude. I take you're notes. <laughs> so because I love as you're yeah as you're saying things, I'm just jotting things down. Um, I I love to. I like to do that. It helps me. It's so it's so um instructive. It's amazing. So I just so I do want you to think that I'm looking down. I'm taking notes. No, no, that's okay. And I'll send you the article. Okay. I'll send you the link. I actually posted it on LinkedIn this morning. Oh, great. Great. It's in there. It's in there. Oh, I can't wait to read it. Um, So listening to this, this incredible leader that you're talking about, this (laughs) dream leader, um, what percentage would you say of people actually have that kind of boss or leader? Are you seeing, are you seeing a turn more toward that kind of leadership um, where people are sort of letting you know, it's not just business as usual and leave your home life at home and, you know, this is work. I don't want to hear about your problems. Is there more of a a leaning toward this kind of embracing the person as a whole, would you say? Or is it just, is it still hard to to define that? Yeah, it's hard to define that. I've seen it. I've seen pockets of it. Um, I find clients who want to be this type of leader, they just, um, they're, I guess it just it's it's also generational. I think I think we'll see this with the millennials um, quite a bit because they're very caring. Just naturally, this this group coming into the workplace, actually they're already in, are very caring. They're more touchy. They're more feely. Um, traditional leadership, the top down leadership, you know, doesn't allow folks to be um, able. You know, they don't want the C-suite employees reluctantly meet with people at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that, uh, so I think as this baby boomer generation exits the workforce, we'll see this other leadership style come in more into place. Um, Gen X, I think we're starting to see that a little bit, uh, try to humanize. They're actually caught in between. I find that some of these directors and leaders at this level are caught in between the baby boomer generation and their generation because they're expected to act a certain way and be a certain way to get promoted. Um, so they sort of lose them themselves and their who they are at the core because of this and also they try to mimic the leadership that they only know which is that top-down very traditional autocratic style of leadership right um so i would say probably right now less than one percent is out there um in terms of who you can consider transformational leaders but i think as we as we see pockets of people coming up in the workplace but also having their own companies we're starting to see more individual um leaders who are using the transformational style of leadership and they don't even know that they are because they're allowing their personalities to come through. I was hoping that with Amazon, with Jeff Bezos, um, with uh, Google, where we find that they take care of their employees in every which way. Um, I believe uh, McKenzie and uh, McKenzie does it and some of the other bigger clientele, uh, Deloitte does it, I believe. They take care of their folks, you know, the food is available. Um, 
you know, nannies are sometimes available depending on how high you are in the platform. But again, it comes down to that expectation. You are supposed to be at work till seven o'clock in the evening, seven to seven, 12 hour days, and we're going to take care of your needs. But no, there is a balance here. And the, the reason there's a balance is because, you know, transformational leaders have that they take on the brunt of the change that goes on, the projections of the change, the emotions of the change, and yet they're also guiding the folks behind them or the folks they're leading um, in, in terms of how to accept that change, which, which is emotionally very difficult to do for any leader, for any person. Um, so I, I haven't seen that very often. I, again, pockets of it. I've seen, um, I've seen it actually in places like the Pentagon and the Army, where you would think that it's more of a traditional approach, and it is, but there are, again, pockets of, of leaders who are actually leaning more towards this human side, which is transformational, because they understand people and they want to understand people. And they see people as people and not as objects. Mm, very, what... very interesting. Uh, you, you talked about earlier um, about P, uh, the, the employees become lo loyal to the, this kind of leader yeah. and loyal to the mission, the company mission, and how building that trust, building that uh, open dialogue, right? Mm -hmm. Accepting ideas from anyone, no matter who you are in the company, builds that res mutual respect and everything. So. Mm -hmm you know to that point nursing home somewhere i want to say in the western part of the state okay. and they've had staff well the last i knew was two days in a row did not report for duty and there's a there's a huge breakout of the pandemic there and the national guard had to actually go in and help the administration and i think they ended up moving a lot of these people to other homes so would I mean, there is fear involved sure. right now. If you're, if you're, if I'm just a CNA, I'm just out of out of school. My I, my first job, you know, caring for elderly people, and I'm dealing with this. That's terrifying. You don't, you don't even really have any work experience behind you or life experience. Yeah. But would you say that walkout is a reflection of leadership as well, maybe in that, or is it just plain old fear? I think it's a, probably a combination. I mean, I, I don't. I, I guess I don't know the the dynamics of what is happening there with the leadership. But just right off the bat, um, you know, when you have a mass exodus of people coming out, the environment was already broken. Um, so while if if your leadership is showing their fear and they're they're crumbling during this time, what do you expect your employees to see behind you, right? So if you want, it, and I'm talking in, not you necessarily, but as a leader of that uh, of that that nursing home, if you want your folks to stay and you you want your folks to help you work. The fear is that they're going to lose their jobs. More importantly, the fear is that they're going to get COVID. Mm -hmm. um, and and it, by the actions of what leaders do, if they if there are not enough supplies, if there's not enough care given to the employees or enough consideration, then, you know, such as rotating the staff around so that not everybody comes in every day, um, getting people on board by just encouraging them that, look, you know, what you're doing is so, it's, it's, it's going above and beyond what was expected out of anybody, but know that we are with you, we're behind you, and we're here with you working at the front end. And so when employees don't see this from the get-go, that their folks are working working with them, it's more, you know, and they're not an isolated leader, meaning like I lead, I delegate and you work. Um, transformational leaders actually jump in, roll up their sleeves and do the work, right? So if that culture was already not established, then people leaving and quitting is just too easy. Um, so during a time like COVID, people want to help, people want to work. They're in, you know, working in these nursing homes and they're CNAs for a reason, right? I mean, you were in there knowing that something like this may come along and you have to do what you have to do as, as, a, as a professional, but also as a human being to give back. Um, but a lot of the times people do leave because the leadership is already broken. Um, sometimes when you have an office manager who has no uh, public health background or who has no medical background is running the office, it can be very hard because they cannot relate to the employee. And even if they try, the employee does not respect them because they don't have the experience to do so. And right there, that trust is not there. The loyalty is not there. Um, if there is given consideration to the employee uh, with the hours or, or whatever the schedule is, or, or you know, um, if they've got family issues and being that understanding leader saying, okay, I'll pick up your shift. I understand you can't come in today. Um, having that culture on the onset is necessary so that we don't have walkouts to the extreme that we do. We take that nursing home, right, and compared to um, Dr. Swami's uh, team in at Boston Hospital, right, you see that his team is so dedicated because he's at the front end working with them, right? He is embedded in, in, 
in his team, more importantly, he's leading them, but they feel as though they're all contributing to this leadership. They're all in there. Uh, at the nursing home, I would say it may have been a case of the isolated leader where the leader could be the office manager, could be the CEO. It's, it's run on a business operation where people are just objects. Mm-hmm. So those nurses, those uh, caretakers are um, objects. And because of that, they don't feel loyal. So why should I? I'm just an employee ID number. Um, and that could be the mentality that goes on. Now, people also feed off of other people's negative emotions. So if one person had a bad experience, um, they and they're very influential in a sense, they call this person up today, they call the other person up the next day and they just vent. It's that negative churning that just continues. Um, People will get so quickly zapped into that that it's hard to break free of that unless they have a better experience with their leader where they actually start doubting what the other person has said. Not in a way that they're lying, but in a way that, well, maybe they're exaggerating a little bit more. So not just having that leader who is uh, with the folks, but also showing at a time like this during crisis why it's important to be with them so that no matter who says anything negatively or if they didn't get their way, any employee or any staff member, they're less likely to follow that individual and and continue working for their leader because they want to. Yeah, Yeah, I I agree 100%. I um, worked, I was... I worked for an organization that provided nursing care to the elderly and, um, you know, there's that huge divide between even just between the administration and nursing staff. Yes. It's like one against the other. And, okay. you know, you, you in times like this, if that's how you were scraping by with that animosity yeah, to, to face a, something on this level yeah. um, where there was already you know, tension, but so to add to what you just said, what, what about, uh, when, when the leadership is toxic or there's bullying from, you know, that would even make it more crazy, right? Right. I mean, when that happens, it's, um, employees, you've already lost the employee and no amount of turnaround will do it unless they apologize. I mean, it's so difficult for toxic leaders to actually take that effort and, and, or make the effort and say, I'm just so sorry that I behaved in X, Y, and Z. Rare do I see it. Rare, my gosh, just to get those words out. Um, I encourage it greatly. I even tell the leaders, admit your mistakes because it, it allows other people to admit them and it's okay we're all learning from them nobody should be punished for admitting their mistakes but if the leader is reluctant to do it the toxicness already starts um and it's usually because that that leader that individual as a human is not just fearful but they have lost themselves and who they are in um in in that position they've taken the power uh, mentally that they've had digested it, internalized it, and now they're behaving as though power is supposed to be autocratic, where they they should see power, that they have power and influence. Let me see what I can do to help people and to make this a better place. On the contrary, it's that old, it's the old saying of, um, you know, I'm a leader, I'm a born, I'm born a leader, and my only way of leadership is autocratic leadership. And sometimes, honestly, they don't realize they're doing it. Um, It takes, it takes somebody at their level or even higher uh, to actually call them out on it. Um, I, I will tell you, I think a lot of the toxicness actually comes down with pressure of failing, with the fear of failing, and then quickly blaming the lowest person on the totem pole because it's convenient for them. Um, and again, that just shows that when that habit starts, it continues and they just polish it in their career over time. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you'll never have a workforce that's working. But again, they see people as objects at that level, at the C-suite level, that when they're seeing people as objects, it's because power and position has gotten to their heads. And sometimes it's just, it's a personality disorder, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the top CEOs are usually, I hate to be this way, but socio, sociopathic. It's, it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. that's amazing. A lot of uh, sociopaths, some of the best leaders, and then, you know, um, you and I and people people all around us it will pay the price for it, right? And they can shed a tear or two, and they can act like they empathize and they care. But in reality, decisions are made because it's just business, and that's the motto. Yeah. The Gentleman Boss Podcast has been named Top 20 Best Month Reporting Podcasts of 2021 by Welp Magazine, number 36 of 200 in Top Entrepreneurship Podcasts by Podchaser, and Top 20 Best Whistleblower Podcasts 
for 2021 by CastBox Media. For sponsorship opportunities, please visit our website at thegentlewomanboss.com. Yeah, I think we've both experienced it. I know I learned it early on in my career in corporate America. <laughs> um, my first job was, um, I, w- I won't say which company, but if 5,000 people got laid off, um, I started in May and I believe in, oh my gosh, in August, 5,000. I was very fortunate that they kept me. I was shocked actually, but um, I found out it's because I was able to pick up the pieces that nobody wanted to do. So, um, and it was just my work ethic and curiosity to learn. But I consider myself very fortunate. I have never seen um, even a vice president get laid off to the extent that he, um, he did. And then speaking to his family, because I had to ship his stuff back home, um, his oh. wife crying on the phone saying, I had no idea that this would have happened. And I remember telling her that sometimes when the leadership is not... Um, on the same page as others, it, it, you know, this happens, but it's sometimes it's a blessing, right? With every uh, toxic leader that may push us out of the company, eventually left the company um, because the, the culture was very bad. Uh, I actually um, realized that it was a blessing because it forced me to look for another job to, and not be complacent. Yeah. Right. Try to be proactive and not just, yeah, sit around. You said earlier getting, um, a CEO, let's just say that that title to say I'm sorry or to apologize, right? Mm-hmm. So it's that humility factor too, I think is so critical in leadership, but but society in general views humility as a weakness when really it's it's a very powerful right. quality to have, you know? And I think um, there's a lot of insecurity with some leaders where they, if they admit they're wrong or admit they made a mistake or, you know, own up, it's going to make them look weak or like they're, it's going to expose something about them. Mm -hmm. And when really, like you said, for the team, if they see that, then it's almost like a, okay, I'm safe here because if he could admit this, right. I don't have to be afraid when I mess up royally Right. To go to someone and say, I need help. We need to fix something. I messed up. So right. it does. Leadership right. is, is such a, uh, it really sets the tone for so much. So why don't you tell us, you want to talk a little bit about your book that, well, either one, you, I know you already have your one yeah. published or another, your other one coming up. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, um, it's, it's in the works right now to get um, work. Um, I've, I've gotten my, uh, an, a good agent. He's helping me get the book proposal done and everything. But it talks about um, these days, these times that we're in, and it's sort of it's it's got a religious undertone. But I'm not promoting religion, but more so understanding that, like in the Hindu culture, we believe in a time called the Kaliyug, which which these are dark times. And the reason they're dark times is because during the industrial era, which we live in, there's good there's high technology, right? Mm-hmm. When that everything becomes very quick and instant, our desires become endless. And um, we sort of lose that human touch with other people because we're so caught up with technology and social media and all that, that it negatively and subconsciously affects our brains and how we think about people, um, not just how we judge people, but also how we treat them and and feel that level of jealousy sometimes that social media has actually um, amplified. And the reason I say that is because it's a great way, you know, social media allows us to stay in touch with friends and make new virtual friends. But sometimes people are they can't help themselves and they do feel as though, how come, why is it not me? And not realizing that the other person is working really hard. So these, in these times um, in the Hindu, in the Hindu um, calendar and, and, and in our scriptures, cause I'm, I'm from that culture. Um, it's predicted, my grandmother used to read this to me when I was very young, in fact, to all her grandkids, that, you know, as these years come, time will pass by very fast, days will go by faster, brothers and sisters will fight, there will be a lot of deceit, there will be a lot of uh, death on the hands of leaders because they don't treat people well, and, you know, the weather will get bad, so it's it's, it's, it's a, t- a tumultuous time where um, civility will be lost, um, and, and so I talk about the concept of civility, I bring in, why do suicide bombers want to do what they want to do or you know what makes them tick so that they strap on the belt and they want to die and and so I, I in my first book I talk about the the radicalization process the conditioning the human behavior um, how our minds are conditioned how easily a child can be conditioned um, and it's taking something as simple as 
um, conditioning a child to love the football team that we all grew up with and making sure, right? It's, it's that simple conditioning yeah. that is applicable also to folks who are child soldiers, who become child soldiers, or we're raising our kids to hate another culture or to feel as though somebody darker than us is a bad person because of their skin color. These are all uh, simple examples, and they're also uh, applicable to child soldiers who we are easily conditioned. And then as they grow up in their teenage years, decide that they do want to die because that's all they know. And their literacy factor is just based around that. Um, and it's not just against any one religion. Every religion has it. Um, and it's 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 really also about taking I studied women because I a, am a woman and B, I understand um, what women go through. I've seen my sisters, two of my sisters go through postpartum depression. Um, mm -hmm. I, I looked at that. It's very sad, but, you know, it's a, it's a reality. Right. And in that culture and it. it it put yourself in a war zone, put yourself in a culture where women have no rights, where even a dog and a cat has more rights than you do, um, meaning freedom-wise, right? And and you're, you're raised to get married early and to have kids, and yet you cannot produce, whether it's his fault or that you are so stressed out that the miscarriages keep coming, there is that depression factor that sits in. And now you're in a war zone where you've lost your house, you've lost everything, um, or that you just feel you're just maybe clinically depressed and you don't even know it right um what is the next best thing and that is to probably want to die but suicide is a sin in many cultures including or in many religions right um so why not make it legitimate or sometimes they're forced into it because their husbands or their partners become acquainted with these terrorist organizations and they're sort of sucked into that but life at that point is so bad um, and it could be anybody. It could be somebody here sitting at home getting radicalized in the United States because their life isn't stable or even if it is from maybe from the outside, it seems stable, but we don't know what that person is going through internally inside. Um, so I brought that in from my first book into the second book and I looked at additional factors of what death is, the concept of death and, and the planes that we, we apparently we cross as we die. So where does the soul go when somebody dies and, and does that person who's, you know, who's killed somebody with a suicide bomb, do they feel the pain that other family members feel when their loved ones die because of something like this? Yes, we all do. Um, so I did, I did some research. Um, I, I read a really good book by James Van Prague on the soul and where it goes um, when you die and, and how you feel that the, the happiness you've caused somebody and, and the the pain you've caused somebody twofold, but it's also in our scriptures as well. And come to find out it's in many other um, religions. Christianity has it. I believe Judaism has it. Islam definitely has it, but also the Vikings back in the day, you know, they they have it, uh, the tribes have it. So so how you treat somebody, we call it karma, is actually an impl uh, implication of how you live your life on this life and, and what where it takes you in, in, you know, the afterlife, I suppose. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But there's a concept of heaven and hell that parallels all the religions, uh, surprisingly. Um, and also, again, how we treat others here and how we behave is a reflection of what what happens to us when we die. And so that's what the book talks about. It, it focuses on why it's important to be humble and why it's important to have humility and why integrity and transparency and how you treat your family and your neighbors um, is a reflection of not just who, again, but what your purpose is here on life. So it's a very deep book. It's, it's short. Yeah. But it's deep. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds fascinating. Yeah, I think, you know, talking about as you were profiling that uh, female woman at that point where death is the preferred option, right? Non existence because of the pain they're in, you know, right. depression, sadness, um, a, a failure to procreate, all those things. So I, I think it, it just, it's so important just to look at people compassionately because we have no idea what other people are working. We don't have and you know, aside from culturally being different or religious differences or um, whatever, economic differences, people are people. We all, you know, we all have the same struggle with the same things. And, and now with this, I, I said it, I uh, interviewed Heidi Lynn Carter last week and She's wonderful. Oh, she's amazing. Yeah, and I like I said, it, th this pandemic, COVID-19 is like the great equalizer. Yes. There is no one untouched by it. So right. I think, you know, I'm trying to process all of this, talk with my daughter about it. Mm -hmm. um, 
does it matter in the end how much you're making or what your address is or what kind of car you're driving or what you know what designer bag you're carrying because in the end yeah covid's gonna could get you too yeah like as far as like what's really important you know in in that being humane to people and Mm -hmm. um like you said trying to reach out to your introverted neighbor just to sort of build a rapport right like show an interest in human beings it's so it's so it's so lacking today because of technology which is a blessing in a lot of ways like you said but the downside of it is this coldness that has sort of taken root in people and they just they don't care about other people you know it's like that and i feel in a way like this whole pandemic is making people look into their own be a little more humane or at least try to be well, you know, and and you're right. It, I think, I think it's almost also taking it away. Um, it, it's bringing people together globally because we're all going through it. Um, there was just an article published this morning in about Ecuador and how they're getting the pandemic now, and what they're going through is the same as what we're we're going through right in the United States, and it's it's the same as what Italy and the UK and any other nation out there is going through. What is surprising here is that. Um, in my experience, is you would think it would bring people together, and it has, I think, to a certain level, a certain extent. But I think in the day to day, I see that it it hasn't really, because we're so physically isolated. It's it's become easier to be mean to people, mm-hmm. um, or, or or assume that they're being mean to us over text and over email, and you know things like that. That people's feelings get hurt so easily. So it's um, that written communication has become so important, almost to the point where it's just better to pick up the phone and talk to somebody versus sending an email because emails, they are cold. And some people are very rigid the way they write and they don't even realize it, but there's no emotion being shown. So it's shifting everything, actually. It's shifting the way we think, the way we behave, the way traditional business etiquette was is supposed to be to what is now changing. It's okay to say, oh gosh, I love what you're writing about, or I love that part of that project. You know, it's okay to to say that in an email. Um, but a lot of folks are still sticking to, well, I, I do like this, but I, I I actually don't like this at all. And here's why. And here's a you know whole big paragraph of, of what really stood out. And so I think people are also forget for forgetting that level of communication. Um and how to speak. I, it's sad that this pandemic had to actually bring everything to a halt, that halt, sorry, that we're all forced to be with our families and, and partners are fighting more than ever. I mean, I see it on the virtual workshops that I attend or when I hold them, I'll, I'll ask folks, how are you guys holding up? How is it being at home with your partner? And you know, more often than not, I'll see men actually typing it in saying, oh my gosh, my wife and I fight a lot. We can't stand each other. <laughs> I miss being at work. Right? So, um, and, and I'm not just calling out men, but I mean, I'm sure women feel it too because the kids are home and it's just, you don't get that break, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, it it has brought us home. It has brought us closer, but it has, I think to a certain extent, it's going to separate us uh, more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, um, Heather Monahan just interviewed a top divorce attorney from New York. I can't remember his name, but in her latest uh, podcast episode that they, (laughs) they are absolutely expecting a huge spike in divorces. It's already happening in China. Yeah. And you know, the, the divorce attorneys are like, open up my calendar. So, which is sad and horrible, but, um, yeah. And again, that's probably, um, the result of families being so segmented and separated more than being together. I just heard a public lecture and the speaker mm-hmm. said the average American uh, father spends 11 quality minutes a day with, I don't want to misquote, but like, and the mother, a stay at home mother was 13 minutes. And I'm like, 13 wow. minutes. Like that's not even enough time to make a sandwich. Like, right. so, <laughs> you know, cause everyone's so distracted, so busy, so going in so many directions. So this sort of first forced family time, um, yeah. is a huge shift for a lot of people. I, my husband works from home. I work from home. This right. is very, nor- our, our normal has not changed. Although my daughter uh-huh. is still working at a, a local Starbucks oh, and, nice. and to, to what you, to speak to what you said earlier, People are either amazingly wonderful, patient. I mean, these people are waiting an hour to get their coffee. Oh, an I hour. Yeah. And um, they have to go out 45 minutes before they close 
down, walk down the line of traffic and tell people this is the cutoff. And you can't even believe how people react. Like if they don't cut it off, they won't, they have to close at a certain time. I mean, the state's requiring it. Sure, sure. So they send out, (laughs) they usually pick the biggest guy that's working that day and ask him <laughs> to walk down the line, you know, but because yeah. people are, you know, they're taking, and again, it's the people's stress levels are through the roof. People are afraid. People are anxious. People are scared. People are broke. People, when you put all of those emotions, right. And they, and they just want a stinking cup of coffee, you know, yeah. and it's like, it's just like, yeah, people are either wonderful or they're horrible. So just be the nice person at Starbucks, please, for my daughter. <laughs> I know. No, I, I hey, I, I commend that. I, I actually, I, I echo that for your daughter. I hope, I hope everybody realizes that these people who are out there working, like such as individuals, like your, like your, your daughter, um, we have to thank them because without them, a, the economy wouldn't be running, but b, they wouldn't be able to help us get our coffee, right? Um, <laughs> and and so we couldn't be able to place her order because they could have easily quit, and and it could have hurt Starbucks, right? At the end of the day. So I think it's 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 we have to take it with gratitude and we have to um, really hone into the term forgiveness. I um, not to get too so sentimental here, but um, forgiveness is so hard just because people's emotions are sitting right there at the surface and anything could trigger it. It could be the fact that they haven't had their coffee that they're so ticked off or that they're hungry and they're mm-hmm. you know they've got hanger pain going on. Hangry, here. right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Or it could be just anything as extreme as ignorance. And I call that extreme because I, I just find in a day and time like this where we have so much technology and there's so much available on the web, ignorance is it's still at its peak, I think, um, in terms of learning about people and culture and even understanding ourselves and who we are and then reacting to things at this time. Um, it's it's you would think people would be a little bit more humble. So I think we're finding extremes of both. Um mm-hmm that uh and it just again we just don't know what makes folks tick um it just it could be anything but fear is huge fear is a big and you call you said it it's 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 one of the biggest things out there is fear you know yeah the the and that um lack like for me it's the lack of control right i have none of us have any control over all of this that's difficult, especially if you're kind of a control freak or, <laughs> or just like your ducks in a row. So right. I think I've just, I personally, I've just, um, I just sent my newsletter out last night, but one of the things I've been thinking about doing dishes and just meditating on is people that have suffered mm-hmm. greatly in history, you know, to survive. And the, one of the people I talked with my daughter about was Anne Frank. And she was in that secret annex, you know, with eight other people, yeah. could not go outside for 761 days. And it's like, think, all right, we're like 40 right. days in because my right. family, my husband is older and he also has some respiratory issues and I have an immunity thing. So we okay. sort of began immediately early, very beginning of March, self-quarantining. We, we Before the state even required it. Right. We're on day about day 40, 761 days. So mm-hmm. day 40, I, I went to McDonald's yesterday and I went through the drive-thru and I picked out because I was like, <laughs> couldn't take it anymore. I, I just like, I need to do something normal. That's I'm- only day 40. Imagine 761 days. So I talked to my daughter to try to keep the perspective because I think perspective right. is huge. I mean, obviously the fear is there. You don't want anyone, anyone you know, anyone you love or any period to get this and suffer from it. But we also have to realize that we can only control our risk. What we can control is our response to it. Right. Are, you know, are we going to let the fear dominate my day or am I going to try to be productive, try to encourage someone else, you know, mm-hmm. um, reach out to people in the ways that are appropriate at this time and try to keep it in perspective? Because I think perspective is huge. I mean, we can get so wrapped up in our own yeah. here and now, but... Right. Um, so that was, a, I was, we had a great conversation about it and I hope, cause it's, she's a senior, she's probably not going to have a graduation. Yeah. yeah. All those end of year things have been canceled and it's heartbreaking, you know, right. but in the big picture, right. if that's, if that's our only sacrifice, yeah, that's fine. You're right. Yeah. No, I, I, it's good. It's, it's so nice that you were actually, um, you're, you're, you're showing her the perspective of, you know, what we are, how lucky we are today, even to be quarantined at home, but also what Anne Frank, in comparison to Anne Frank, what she went through, mm. um, and and what other people are going through because they are quarantined at home, 
all the time, right? Like you've got domestic workers and um, in, in some countries where the passports are taken and, you know, they, they're strapped, right? At least we have our freedom. Um, yes. We can go to McDonald's. We can go and, and support the local economy because I do it too, don't worry. So, <laughs> <laughs> my, my Saturday trips to Whole Foods make me so happy. I actually wear makeup and get dressed. <laughs> It's like, it's like a big occasion, right? <laughs> and, you know, and I'll go with my sister and she'll say, why are you all decked out? She's like, normally you look, you don't look this nice. I said, hey, I haven't been out all week. So it's my one trip out. <laughs> I think I'm on my same tank of gas from like three weeks ago. I used to fill it up once a week. You know, I, I literally think I'm going into my fourth week and I still have like half a tank of gas. So oh, I believe it. Yeah. I know yeah. it's crazy. So it, talking about all of these coping mechanisms and uh, important qualities of and not just leaders but I mean because like I say on my website mm -hmm. we're all a leader at the very least like of our own personal life right yeah. and then if we're married we we right. kind of have a role in our family if we're a parent that's another leadership role and then you can take it all the way up to we could be running a billion dollar company and we're a leader so all that those important qualities to to carry through regardless of our role in society. Um, so my question I like to ask my guests, um, one of the last ones is um, what quality of a gentlewoman mm -hmm. do you feel is most important to emulate and why? Okay. So um, I, I wrote it out. Can I show it? Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Can you see it? It's Humility. Humility, yes. I, I live by this. Um, as um, I don't, uh, let me know if you want me to put it down. Um, I actually you, you uh, it's fine. put it down. Thank you. Yeah. I, I as I, as I've been, I've been so fortunate. I consider myself so blessed because I have not just an amazing family that supports me, but um, as I've been moving up in in my career and up the ladder, um, I have always had people who said, you know, Bina, you're going to be so successful. Please don't ever change who you are. Be that humble and hum uh, person. Don't forget people like us. And, and I've never forgotten that. I was, I think, 28 when somebody said that to me. Um, I was literally just taking a step uh, up in, in my career at that point at the regional level. And, and this one lady, I won't say her name, but she actually said to me, she goes, please don't ever forget where you came from because the people who go move up in life, whatever they do, they forget people like us. But remember, we were here to help you as well. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that humility comes from within. We not only never, we don't forget where we came from, but we never allow ourselves to forget because as we get power, we get position, um, you know, we become more social media, um, uh, what do you call, uh, superstars, I suppose. Um, Humility is, is something that should always remain within us because we're, we should count our blessings and be lucky. So I think that every gentle woman and gentle man should actually have that humility. And I always tell C-suite employees, you may have power, you may have money, but at the end of the day, if you were dropped off in the middle of, of Sudan, would you be able to relate to those people that they will be, they will want to help you because, you know, they have street smarts and you don't have that. So think about it this way. You don't have it all power and, and, and your famous infamous, uh, you know, position that, you know, you show up on the magazine of Forbes or whatever it is, but put yourself to that level and think how lucky I am to have what I have because not everybody had the opportunities that I had to succeed, um, and where we are. So I think it's, it's a humility for me. It goes a long way. When I recognize that in a leader, it, it, I naturally, um, become loyal to them. It's, it's really interesting. Um, even though other people may not like it, I may not agree with all their actions. Um, and there's always a time and place to say it, but loyalty goes a long way when folks are, uh, have humbleness and humility. And, and you're right in our society, it is considered a weakness, but that's because what power the, the the perception of power has led to such that if people are humble and have humility they are weak but at the end of the day does it all matter yeah if you treat people correctly just know that you know your soul will be at peace so it does it all ties back to you the person how you behave and how you lead others um in in any workplace culture or any any culture at, at all so yeah yeah that's great it's i, I it's interesting that was the quality you chose because a few weeks ago I had Trey Griggs on uh -huh. and humility was his. No way. Okay. Yes. Not see that episode. I'll have to watch it. I'm sorry. And I think that's fantastic. That, like these two amazing professional people <laughs> 
think for lead, like that's that's a very good sign going in the right direction towards transformational leadership. That because I, I mean, you know, like you just said, most you know, C-suite. The qual if you, you if you had to describe the qualities of the people in the C-suite in your organization, would mm -hmm. humility be one of them? I don't know. Might be. Might be. It's it's a Might rare gem. Let's say yeah. that it's a rare gem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I agree with you 100. percent And um, the in the um, Bible, it, it's well people refer to it in many cultures as a golden rule: treat people the way you would like to be treated. So. If you think of things from that angle too, it's, you know, would I, when yeah. you're being mean to someone, would you want someone, you know, just turn it around right. and yeah. try to be the bigger person. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and what I really believe is that if you're, if you're, if you have it in you, but you practice humility, I mean, it's doable. Um, it's anybody can convince themselves of any, for to do anything. Let's put it that way. So humility is one of them. Right. But you're also more for forgiving. So if somebody, mm -hmm you know, um, misplaces their anger towards you and really wasn't meant for you, um, or it was meant for another issue that they're upset about, but yet they use a different issue to take it out on you. Um, instead of being angry with them or reacting, because um, it's natural to react and get mad and, and, you know, be like, what happened? Or just shut down completely. It's one or the other. Um, you know, putting yourself in their shoes and thinking, well, you know, why am I going to let them upset me? Why should I let my morale go down? Because they're, they, they themselves don't know what they're saying, or they're so angry that they, they're not rationalizing mm -hmm. anything that's coming out of their mouth, right? They're not even thinking it through. But having that humility factor allows you to actually, um, on the spot, forgive them for, for, I'm not saying like, because we're God, but forgive them for being that way. So that I myself, Bina, does not get hurt because, um, you know, I was yelled at by my boss about doing something that I didn't even know I did, right? Or I did do something, right, and yet I was yelled at. So I always tell people that we, we're all entitled to have a bad day or bad moment. We can't judge somebody for that, but on the same token, now you know how to navigate that. So thinking uh, with that mindset that you're, you are going to be um, forgiving and you're going to be understanding allows you as a person to have more peace at heart so you don't actually go to sleep angry thinking, gosh, my boss got mad at me and I'm really upset, right? So right. I think humility in conjunction with that goes, um, helps with that forgiveness factor. And gives us a more peaceful existence. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Bina. So if people would like to learn more about you, uh, follow you, you know, learn about your book, how can they do that? So I'm very active on Instagram, um, and um, it's at Bina Patel PhD. Um, it's uh, I, I, and I can email this to you. And, um, and my I link. Think I, yeah, I think I already have that, but I'm yes. just yep. I'm also on and LinkedIn. So if you look up, there's tons of Bina. It's a very common name. So I usually go by Bina Patel PhD, um, and you should be able to find me on LinkedIn. So those are the two sites that I'm very active. And then if I publish something, I'll post it on there. But my website, uh, which is uh, currently being updated by my web developer, um, shout out to Kian. He's doing a great job <laughs> at Ruby <laughs> Ray. Um, it's www.transformationalparadigms.com. And I, I picked that name as as part of my company name, which is under Bina Consulting, actually, um, because I really believe that each one of us can be transformed into many uh, many different ways, and it's it's more like a paradigm shift when we do transform. So as we're growing, as we're maturing, we uh, going through different life experiences, we're always transforming into the paradigm that we eventually retire into, um, and and it's just part of just growing up, I suppose. But that's the main reason I did it because we can all be transformed um, for ourselves to be I, bigger and better, right? Yeah. I love it because it has a positive overtone too. It yeah. does. I mean, because we, we will have, like you said, those bad days. We will have those conflicts. We will feel underappreciated. We will. But if you're always striving to improve, better yourself, learn from these things, take it to the next level, then it's a positive. We could take the negative feedback and turn it into a positive cycle. We, we, we try to grow and learn from it instead of be hurt and bitter from it. Exactly. Yeah. So I well, love that okay. transformational paradigms. That's great. All right. Well, it was such a pleasure to have you on. And it was wonderful to be on. I think we had a great conversation. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. It was fun. It was so much fun. It was fun. I feel like I had a coffee. I should have made coffee. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All next right. Time. So yeah. I will, um, I'll share everything, all of your contact information and so forth in the notes of the podcast when it drops. Um, so thank you everyone. 
all my listeners. Um, We've spent an hour with Dr. Bina Patel and everything that we talked about. um, I'll have some highlights in the notes on the podcast for reference. If you have any questions, you can reach out to Bina on LinkedIn or Instagram. And good luck with your new book. Thank you. Thank you. And I can't wait to share it with everybody once it's out. I'll let you know, Michelle, as soon okay. as it's out. Keep, yeah. keep up the good work. Thank you. And you okay. too. Thank you. You're doing, Thank you. you're doing great. This is a good podcast. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. <laughs> Take care. You too. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Gentlewoman Boss podcast. Please remember to download my podcast so you can listen whenever and wherever you'd like. And if you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave a review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much if you've already done so. It really does help with ratings and distribution of the show. I also invite you to email me if you'd like to share your story or if you have a question you'd like answered on an upcoming episode of the show. Just visit thegentlewomanboss.com and click on the contact tab at the top to email me. You can also follow me on social media at Gentlewoman Boss. And if you prefer to watch podcasts rather than just listen to the audio version, my episodes are also uploaded on my YouTube channel in video format as well. Click subscribe and when new episodes drop, they'll show up in your YouTube feed. It's super easy. So until next time, remember, always choose to be the gentlewoman or gentleman in the room. I'll see you soon for the next episode of the Gentlewoman Boss Podcast. Keep the